Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 78. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guests today are Children Collide. The Australian rock band are making their welcome return today with their fourth studio record, Time Itself. In today's episode, we're talking with singer Johnny McKay about recording the album, their lineup change, and Mark Ronson kicking them out of the studio. Here we go. Our guests today are a beloved rock band from Australia. The ARIA Award nominated three piece have released three studio records since 2008, and they're back today with their fourth, entitled Time Itself. Please welcome from Children Collide, Johnny McKay. Hello, Johnny. How are you? Hello, I'm pretty good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, congratulations. The new Children Collide record, Time Itself, is finally out today. Yeah, only took a few years to get another <laughs> one out. <laughs> <laughs> this record, from from what I've heard, is that these songs have been, I guess, cooking, stewing away since we wrote them in 2018 or 19 and then... Some of them, actually, the, there's a song in there that was written kind of towards the start of the band that just never quite, like we played it live all the time and then I don't think any um, producer kind of pulled it together in the way that um, Lauren finally did and it was just sort of sitting there. And then there's another song on there that was written two weeks before we went to the studio. So <laughs> the kind of, uh, kind even of- though the, the, the album sounds quite cohesive, I, I think anyway, sonically, as far as the timeline goes, it's uh, quite stretched out. That does kind of run the whole gamut of the history of the band, really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you go to revisit some of these songs, especially ones that you've written almost in like a different lifetime ago maybe, like how do you work out what's worth revisiting or like what still has the legs to, to make it onto the record? Well, I think I think we always approached this band uh, kind of a, not really being a, a kind of a slave to trends or, you know, what was going on around us. Um, I think maybe lyrically I'd comment on my particular life and things I was going through, but as far as like sonic trends, um, sometimes not to our advantage, we didn't really follow them. So pulling songs out from 10 years ago and from two weeks ago, they kind of all fit together within this kind of world we created anyway. So um, it's, it's just a three-piece live rock band and um, kind of you, you, you could probably put any half-decent song together and it'll, it'll sound like us. <laughs> <laughs> I still think that you guys have something special. Let's not, like, generalise it like that. 
Oh, I mean, we were half decent. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, look, there was, there's always a lot to choose from. I mean, we've got into records with 60 songs. I can't remember how many demos we put together for this, but it wasn't like they were the only 12 songs we had. We had a bunch to choose from. And Ryan and I did quite a bit of work in Sydney uh, in the year or so leading up to it, kind of going through and rearranging stuff and, um, and picking through bits and pieces and, off the back of the third record, I'd kind of just kept writing. So there was a, there was a chunk of songs from then as well. And yeah, I mean, they were just sort of sitting there. I'd, to me, it was, a, it was a real unfinished business. And um, I actually approached a label when I first kind of decided to do it, a, a friend of mine from a label and said, um, look, I've got, I want to make a final children collide record and I want to call it eulogy. And it's going to be like the end. And my friend was like, why would I want to put that? Out? <laughs> um, so, but anyway, we ended up doing it with Jody and then it's sort of as we were making it, I was like, oh, actually, this is quite good and I think we need to keep doing it. And then we started jamming with Chelsea as well and um, and now it's sort of, I think I'm, I think that, I think I've been dragged back in. <laughs> <laughs> it, for those who might not have known, like Children Collide was on, I guess, a hiatus or a bit of a break, would you call it like a hiatus yeah, or just it was I, it was an unintentional break i I just kind of moved to new york and, and kept going it was actually right before funnily enough i'm in new york now and um i went to new york just as our third album came out and i just kept writing i i write music every day in different forms and quite often that's the kind of song that would fit with children collide and i just kept writing and writing and writing and then it was kind of a couple of years after i we'd had a year break and i was like oh shit i think the band's over and i didn't even realize um and then I obviously did a bunch of other stuff and um, Jody, who manages Fascinator and now manages Children Collide, she said one day, she's like, why don't you, I was talking about the song, she's like, why don't you just do another Children Collide record? And Ryan was into it, so we did it. <laughs> when, because uh, when you were in New York, for some who might not be aware, you were under the guise of Fascinator? Yeah. Yeah. And that is, um, it's, Oh, there's there's some sonic similarities, but it is very different kind of music. It was it was kind of a way for me to. I've always done music like genre, fluid, bending kind of um, music that goes all over the place, and I was Children Collide sort of became this sort of thing that I think we didn't really have boundaries over, but it sort of did have some sonic boundaries. And also, as it kind of got bigger, there were things where like you know we we wouldn't like get other people up to jam with us or anything really. And, and I'm fascinated. I kind of formed it to make it more of this art project that I could do everything that I hadn't done with Children Collide. So it was the kind of band where I'd meet a flute player on the street and then they'd play in the band that night. Or I, for a while, had just an air band and people that had <laughs> never performed in their life. I'd be like, do you want to play the Barry Ballroom tonight? And I'd get someone up on air drums or whatever. And, uh, I, you know, fascinated ended up doing a, um, like a 24-hour soundtrack to a hotel room here and um, I played Burning Man. I played in, yeah, it's, it's kind of gone all over the place and it's interesting to go back into Children Collide again and I think I appreciate it more having having done all this other stuff. Wasn't there a heckler at the the air the air band gig that was like you're not even playing instruments? Yeah, there was, yeah. that was. Yeah. But the rest of the crowd was on our side, so it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> when you... Um, I guess when you're writing these songs for, well, for what turned out to be Children Collide, but when you're in, I guess, the fascinated mindset or you're not really focusing on Children Collide and these songs work their way into the, the your psyche or, or they come out, how do you work out or how do you kind of define them as a, 
children collide song and go, Oh, maybe this isn't, or maybe I'm not done with the project yet. I think, well, there's a few different things happen. I think a, a good song could, it, there's this dumb old saying that there's only two kinds of music, but I, I think a good <laughs> song could probably be played in any format in with any instrumentation and still kind of stand on its own two feet as a good song. And sometimes I will wake up from a dream and there's a song fully formed and it, and it might be just whatever genre I feel like playing in that day. It'll end up being a dance track or, or it'll end up being a, I'll have a break beat and some harp and choir sounds and it'll be fascinating. Or if I feel like picking up the guitar, it'll end up being a children collide song. So it's not, it's, it's often not very intentional, but then the other side of that is sometimes the children club sat down and it's been like, all right, I'm going to listen to, the Jesus Lizard for Ghazi and the Buzzcocks and after listening to them for an hour, I'm going to see what comes out of my fingers. So sometimes <laughs> that happens too. <laughs> That's very fair. That's, <laughs> do you think that uh, Fascinator has maybe influenced, I'm not even influenced, but that with Children Collide now that you mm, possibly open to adding more or different textures to it or having it more... Let, uh, less rock, just straight down the line, kind of focused and giving it more little flourishes of other bits and pieces? Or is it two very separate projects? Well, I think we, we, we already had done that. I definitely feel more freedom just in the approach of everyone working on it now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I used a wah-wah on guitar solo and a bit that I haven't ever used that on children collide before and but there was also songs in our other albums that are quite psychedelic and there's songs with drum machines and there was a kind of but they weren't really the singles but um yeah so yes and no <laughs> but yeah I mean, definitely like you know that what was cool about doing this record is more than anything it was more than any other ones um lauren the producer got us to kind of try and try and play live as much as we could and so there's a bunch of stuff on there where it's, you know, it's, it's first take. I can hear my mistakes. I can, you know, and, and actually they always end up being the best takes. And so there's that kind of a spontaneity to, to this record that I think maybe we were probably a bit more hesitant to do in earlier times. Whereas with Fascinator, as I've done that and I've experimented and probably done a lot more bedroom recording and stuff, I've realized that, that's kind of the special thing about a lot of music is being able to hear some kind of spontaneity, even if you're listening to it over and over again. I'm very curious because I know um, it's a lot of artists, a lot of bands have spoken to, especially with the pandemic and everything else is that album releases have been pushed back and back and back as discussed. This album was recorded late 2019. Like you've been sitting with these songs for a while. Was there any time over the last number of months or year or two where you've gone back and listened and with, especially with your output being as prolific as it is, like you seem to be quite creative and put continually uh, putting stuff out. Was there any time where you went to listen to it and thought, Oh fuck, I could change that or I could tweak this or was it? Well, yeah. I'd say, well, I, one, one thing I'll say is, um, you know, Scott Walker never listens to his music once it's released. And what's been weird about doing press for this album having finished it so long ago is I haven't listened to it that much in that time. So it's been like quite a bit of time. So there's been a few questions where I've been like, oh, shit, 
what did I mean by that song again? Because I've like now had <laughs> so much time between the actual or what did we what guitar did we use on that? Because there's been so much time. Normally you'd, you'd record the album and then the press and you'd do all the questions and it'd be fresh in your mind. But in that time, I've probably made 33 fascinated demos and I've done this whole ambient project and I've been making dance music, Russian people and all this other stuff's going around in my head. So, um, no, in answer to your question, no, I, I have re-listened to the album and I'm probably more happy with it um, to go back and listen to it now. Yeah, it feels like, um, yeah, it feels like my favourite thing we've done. So that's how, and that's how an album should feel as you let it out into the world. Yeah, of course. It's, um, I think that there's a lot of people who maybe weren't expecting a new Children Collide record but are very happy, all the kind of... Um, even the research I was doing, there seemed to be a lot of people who were very excited that you guys had come back and, um, and were releasing music again under, under the, the moniker of um, Children Collide. When you reformed the band or, or got the guys back together, obviously uh, Heath looks very different this time around. Um, how did that kind of conversation go in, in getting the guys back together and, and being like, yeah, this is what we're doing? It was like on and off for a few years, all that. Like we did a little tour in 2014. So Ryan had come to New York and obviously we had a falling out. Well, not obviously, but some people might know. We had a falling out and he left the band before our, we, around when we put out our third album. And then he started coming to New York and we just partied and made friends again. And, and you kind of, the more you go along, you realise the reason you started music is to just muck around with your mates. And we all kind of took it a bit seriously. And I'm sure any band that's kind of got to you know, our level and beyond knows there can be pressure and there can be weird relationship stuff happens. So anyway, we went along and then as we started jamming, Ryan and I were like, we should do another album. And we sort of floated it with Heath, but Heath had become more and more kind of involved with the business with his girlfriend and had this whole other life. And Ryan and I were still kind of bums making music. And um, <laughs> so, you know, Heath, when it came to the crunch and Jody the manager had got behind it. We had to have a serious conversation with Heath and he, he opted not to do it, gave us his blessing. And the first person I thought of to ask to play bass was Chelsea. I asked her and luckily she said yes. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's very cool. It seems like it just kind of like worked out quite easy. Yeah. I think it was just more about the attitude um, and Ryan and I being relaxed and, and, and remembering that it's meant to be fun. Of course, I think that <laughs> does get lost a lot of the time with um, with music especially. Uh, yeah, and we're thinking about also what it sounded like at the start and we kind of went for that on this record. Like it sounds like a you know, heavy band. <laughs> <laughs> Has there been anything that uh, Chelsea's brought that, maybe wasn't um, considered the first few albums around or just that, that you guys were like, oh, that's a different way of doing this or? Um, sorry, I just got something on the table. I'm just working out my shirt. <laughs> um, Chelsea has, well, Chelsea ended up not being on the recording, sorry, because she was stuck in Bali and it got rescheduled. But I think the same sort of thing, like she just has fun and jumps around and, we're kind of all the kind of people that in a rehearsal will, will stress about stuff a bit more and like, or, you know, it won't be perfect in the rehearsal, but somehow the, the, somehow the energy of a live crowd, we all kind of play better. So yeah, which teeth was the same. So I, I don't know. She's just kind of slowed in really perfectly. And I was worried that, you know, you know, you're worried people are attached to the old lineup and, but everyone loves her. Everyone probably loves her more than us. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people love you, but it's also it's always nice to have like a new element to to anything. Yeah, she's a she's a really old friend too, so we're we're all kind of like family. Everyone just sort of teases me. That's sort of the dynamic. <laughs> um, hope well, hopefully they're not being too harsh on you, Johnny. It's um, <laughs> no, it's all right. With the recording of the album, I know that you guys had uh, a, not trouble, but it just kind of seemed like those first few days. Uh, it it really didn't go according to plan. Oh, uh, how, how, how did that come across? What did we do? We post stuff about that. I think where was it? There was there yeah, was look, a clip. Yeah, oh, you know you're right. Like tape machines broke. You're right. I mean, I, that's the thing. It's been so long. Things things did break. We we're sitting kind of waiting for a tape machine to get repaired, and there was a lot of kind of things being plugged and unplugged and repaired and whatnot. But um. I don't know. We got there. That's kind of, but I feel like that's every studio, every session I've ever been in, there's been like some fucking hiccup and some like piece of equipment I don't understand and someone running around trying to fix it for half the day. And yeah, you know, on top, but uh, what did I read? I swear on top of that, because there were things that, yeah, machines didn't work and then I had to reset some stuff for you. And then, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I think Mark Ronson kicked you out. Or, or not him personally, but there was something to do with Mark Ronson just not even showing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I wonder if I get in trouble for telling that story. I wonder who I told that to. Um, there was a day where we rocked up and I was, yeah, I was quite annoyed. I mean, I know I'm not as important as him, but I, I do remember rocking up and there was another guy going, what are you doing here? I was like, what do you mean? What are you doing? We got a session. And the guy was like, no, I've got a session with Mark Ronson. And yeah. That did, that did happen. And I, 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 I have not confirmed whether he turned up or not. <laughs> I can imagine, <laughs> regardless of whether he made it or not, it is, I can imagine just like a, a continuous stream of, of issues probably didn't help that uh, creative process in trying to get the record recorded. Yeah. 
Well, you t- I mean, you just get on with it, though, don't you? Like, I, I mean, I feel like stuff always happens. There's, you've got to kind of be – you can either get annoyed or you can just keep making it, can't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, you can't really stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the record itself is out today, and I know that there was plans to tour um, next month with – how things are going in Australia at the moment, the lockdown and not sure, hopefully touch wood that that does go ahead. But um, what are your thoughts on taking the record on the road and being able to play these songs firstly? Yep. Uh, well, firstly, it's that's going to be about whether states are opened and whether people are allowed to stand up. Um, I guess we could, we're not really the kind of band that I think would be doing sit down concerts. We've tried. <laughs> um, it's very but different what I will show. say is that the two, the two, yeah, the two little tours we got to do were just so fucking fun and the the dynamic of the band just got better and better and better and it takes a while to get to that point again where it's like sort of second nature and you're not focusing on whether you're getting the chords right or remembering the words or whatever and you're back in that and once it becomes second nature then I think you can really enjoy it and you can connect with the crowd and we sort of got there and then we stopped and then we got there and then we stopped. And, you know, I mean, everyone's had the same shit to deal with, but I, I'm looking forward to doing like, you know, instead of doing five or six shows in a row, I'm looking forward to doing 30 or 40. That, I think everyone is um, very much looking forward to that. Once we can get all the shit sorted out, um, it'll be great to be able to go back to live gigs. Are they, I think New York is back open and playing shows, aren't they? Yeah, New York's. Um, I I've DJed here a couple of times. I haven't done a live show yet, but yeah, there's, there's definitely shows going on everywhere. It's like kind of it's kind of nuts, actually. I'm I'm not sure how to feel about it. Whether I should be scared. I know I've got <laughs> friends that aren't going out still, and then I've got friends that are going crazy. And like you know, it's a city that sh- that thrives on social activity and was locked down for so long so i think it's also a city that's been through quite a few disasters and has a real like let's kind of get on with it thing so yeah i'm kind of feeling that while i'm here (laughs) (laughs) do you think that that same um maybe apprehension do you think that there will be that once australia's back up and able to get back to shows do you think there'll be it just at the start a little bit of uncertainty of being able to go back into the mosh pit and get sweaty with everyone without having to think of, you know, future pandemics. The difference is most Australians haven't had any friends or family die from it yet. Um, And it will depend how well that gets uh, gets stamped out. I I mean, I don't know. Um, The difference, yeah, I mean, I had so many people close to me here, so I felt very connected to it. So I think it's going to be to do with that. If, If everyone gets scared then yeah but if everyone's just like gets annoyed with lockdown and then they kind of somehow get through it i don't know we were doing so well i hopeful i'm hoping i'm hopeful we we get yeah. we get through it and i'm hopeful everyone can have fun again and do their jobs <laughs> and you know it's the music music industry's been hard i've had friends i've had friends take their own lives and and people lose their identity completely who you know their whole thing is performing and they haven't been able to be who they are for you know nearly two years so yeah, I, I'm hopeful that it'll, we'll get back to it, though. Do you think that the um, entertainment and music, and I guess the arts industry as a whole, has kind of been let down by the government here in terms of the fact that sports still seems to get a lot of support, but you can't have 100 people at a gig? 
I think it's probably better to ask someone that's more on the business side of music because I think most artists in the world, or at least in Australia, are used to their their job not being taken seriously as a job. Um, so I, to, I, I would not have expected anything less than the arts not to be taken seriously, but maybe I'm a pessimist or I'm a realist, but I think I've just never seen it treated any differently in any circumstance. So I think maybe people that are more have a more um, tangible role in, in that industry probably have a better angle on it than I do, but what I do, I fucking... I'm, 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 not, I'm still poor, but I get to make music and some... You know, people help me make records and help me tour, so I feel lucky to do that and grateful to do that. And I've even got to do it a little bit in this pandemic. So, but I, as far as the government goes, I would, yeah, I, I, I wasn't, yeah, um, <laughs> so it's hard to answer that because I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really think oh, I'm going to get looked after like a football player. <laughs> it is. I feel like you maybe are a realist and it is depressing that that is the opinion of like, I've, we've heard that from a few people, um, which is just kind of, well, yeah, it might be true, but it is upsetting. Um, I might change, change the subject completely. Uh, Johnny, yeah. would you be happy to talk about the playlist that you sent through? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I make a lot of kind of playlists and mixes and stuff. And like my life here was a, as a DJ for years. So, um, but I was, I was starting to make this and I kind of didn't really know what to put on it. So I just, um, I put my first, my favorite song ever first, Windmills of Your Mind by Dusty Springfield. Um, and that song, I once got asked to do a, a playlist for my own funeral. <laughs> and I, I didn't do this idea, but the idea I had, and I, I tried it out at my friend over dinner, there's so many covers of that song, and I made a playlist of all covers of the same song, and it got to, like, the third song, and she's like, is this the same song again, Johnny? I'm like, yeah. I thought it would be really funny for, for your funeral if it, like, the third or fourth one, they're like, is this the same fucking song again, fucking Johnny? <laughs> anyway, the Dusty version is my favourite. Yeah, yeah. It is um, the playlist is quite eclectic and it is bookend by um, bookended by yeah Dusty as you said and then the last song um, by Graham Nash, uh, so two kind of like mm-hmm. really great singer songwriter tracks. Is there obviously there's fascinated there's Children Collide. Could at any point we expect a more traditional singer songwriter record from you? Be psychic, but I have, I have one ready to go that I want to put out <laughs> after the Twitter Collide record, and I've done it with the same producer here. Did you that's, know that? No, did you, no did you, that was no, literally that, just a, a shot in the dark, but I'm very <laughs> excited to hear that. Very glad. Yeah, so that, I mean, yeah, in, in sort of, and in, in the production is more, yeah, in that kind of old, old vibe um, for that, and has a lot of great people from New York playing on it, great friends from New York playing on it. Yeah. That's well, That's definitely something we'll be keeping an eye out for. <laughs> it's called, it's called love songs. I, th- I think I'm going to put out under fascinated, but it's called love songs. And it's all, it's all songs that I wrote um, for an audience of one. So often like I'll, I'll write a song to a person or about a person and I won't, ex- and I won't expect anyone else to ever hear it. And I had all these songs there that, you know, they're kind of cheesy and embarrassing. And then, me and my, my friend who I'm working with now on this fascinating record here, and he produced Children's Blood, too, um, which I think of a project to do, and I just played him these songs that I'd written only for one, like, each, yeah, they're about 
various people, but I'd written them thinking only one person would hear them. And yeah, it's interesting to then take that into the studio and have other people work on it or hear it and kind of get past that kind of embarrassment of like reading your diary out <laughs> sort of vibe. <laughs> it's, um, I f- yeah, I feel like singer songwriter stuff at times can be more confessional or like, yeah, revealing. Um, but I'm sure that it will be, uh, I know that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to flock to this immediately. The work that you guys do already is fantastic. So like a, a singer songwriter kind of album will be very exciting. The, um, the playlist as well, Johnny features, uh, wizard of is by the avalanches. Was it of is? Oh, so, sorry. Was it? I've, my, uh, my, <laughs> my spell check has auto corrected it. <laughs> um, Fantastic track from their second record, but uh, if if I've got the, my story correct, is that Darren previously of the Avalanches was the one who kind of helped you or gave you that little bit of a nudge or push into being like, yeah, like work on your Fascinator project and, and electro music. Is that right? Yeah. So um, I met him a long time ago. I had this other silly band and we, we sort of had all these costumes and went to Meredith with the Avalanche and dressed everyone all danced on stage <laughs> and can't really remember it. I wish there was footage of it. But so sort of came mates through that with all those guys and obviously I was you know already a fan. I, I even had the El Producto EP, which was um, an EP they put out before. Um, since I left you and yeah, Darren was just someone, you know, as a bit of a mentor and a friend and I was making all this weird music on my laptop and I had it on my laptop and I sort of sent him way too many songs for Bastard and he helped me narrow it down <laughs> and, and then produced the first record. Yeah. And was it of his samples, um, Mort Garson, who did Plantasia and he did a Wizard of Oz album as well. Plantasia is an album for plants, if people don't know, that was written by this guy in the 60s. It's kind of a bit of a cult classic. And then he did a Wizard of Oz album as well called Was It Of Is, and they've sampled that for that. Out of all the Avalanche songs that you could have picked, what made this one stand out the most to, to put on your playlist? I just... Um, it's sick. <laughs> I don't know, I just like it. I, don't know, like, I mean, I like the more gasp angle on it, but I just like, like the groove and... I'm really interested in this kind of breakbeat kind of trip hop psychic, like meshing that with kind of psychedelic elements. And I sort of try and do that with Fascinator. I don't know how many, like I've got a million experiments in that on my laptop. I don't know how many I've released or will release, but yeah, I I like that kind of angle on music, those meshing of worlds. And they they do it, they do it, they're they're the best at doing it. They are very good at what they do. Um, the another track I wanted to quickly ask about was "Worried Shoes" by Karen O and the Kids, which was when um, Karen. I feel like it's some of her lesser known work. Karen O from the AAS did the soundtrack to "Where the Wild Things Are." Uh, where did this? I guess why does this song stand out to you? Why is this on your playlist? Because it is it is a beautiful song, but it's not well, like it's a bit more known or publicized. Um. Well, the only cover I know and can, like, remember ever is um, True Love Will Find You in the End by Daniel Johnson, who also wrote Worried Shoes. And I don't know why I got into Worried Shoes, but it just, it just makes me cry, that version of it. Mate. I don't, I'm not even, like, a big, yeah, yeah, it's fair. Like, they're, they're cool. They actually are a fan, but, like, they're not, like, you know, they're not. Like, for some reason, I just like the combo. Her cover of that song is 
brings a tears in my eye. I don't know why I put it on the playlist. It was just one of my faves. That's very cool. <laughs> uh, could yeah. you see yourself at some point, as we've discussed, there's many different musical facets to yourself. Would you ever look at um, doing like a soundtrack or being like a music supervisor for a project like that? I feel like you've been following me around. I've actually been working really hard on um, composing and um, trying to, I've been doing little shorts and I did like a web series and um, actually trying to get a, a proper TV series or a film to work on. So yeah, that is actually the aim. And, and, and then one of the main reasons of that was because I do so many different genres and I realized that that is somewhere I really can spread my wings and, and stretch my legs and, and kind of, so when I've done composing things now and people are like, make this kind of music, make that kind of music or interpret this. And it really like all the stupid things I've done in my life kind of come together and make sense in that world. That's very cool. I promise. Firstly, I promise you that I'm not following you. These just happen to be <laughs> well guessed <laughs> uh, yeah. questions. Um, but yeah, there's no, no need to look over your shoulder, I promise. <laughs> Johnny, uh, congratulations again on Time Itself. The record is out today. And uh, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks, Simon. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Johnny McKay for his time. Time itself is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the record or tickets to their tour. We also want to give a huge shout out to Susie at Positive Feedback for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of Johnny's picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.